This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Podsters, what's going on? What's up? Episode 288, Talk About Flow Podcast, presented today by our good friends over at 26 Shirts. Big thank you to all you cool cats out there for tuning in. Appreciate each and every single one of you. Coming up in just a couple minutes here, I'm going to have recurring guest, a very outspoken buddy of mine, Joe from New York City, and he's going to be on with me, and I'll tell you what. So, Buffalo Bills general manager, Brandon Bean, he held his season-ending press conference this week, did it via Zoom, of course, and I'll tell you what, he had plenty to say. So, Joe and I are going to break down a lot of what was discussed. As always, Joe and I get into some pretty heated debates that never doesn't happen when I have him on the show. Uh, We talk about why I think Devin Singletary is done. I think his time is done in Buffalo. I think he's washed up here after only two seasons. Joe very, very much disagrees. Um, We'll discuss what might happen this offseason with the Bills in the line, the trenches, both sides of the line I'm talking about here. Uh, We also run down some tight ends, and I think the Bills should pursue this offseason because, you know, it was pretty obvious by Brandon's comments. The tight end position is going to be one that having an addition to is definitely going to happen because as things stand right now with this current roster, the tight end position is one that scares no Buffalo Bills opponent. And I'll tell you what, those are Bean's words, not mine. And I do agree, of course. Uh, we also talk about if Brandon Bean might wipe the slate clean when it comes to last year's free agent D-line additions. Three big signings. One, two, maybe even three of them could all be gone. Uh, we debate if the Bills should and will resign Matt Milano, probably their biggest free agent this year. Of course, that's another item that Joe and I disagree on. So yeah, really good stuff with Joe. And I'll let you know this right now. I held him off all the way to the end of the segment. But at the very end, couldn't stop him anymore. Joe unleashed one of his signature Trump tirades. I hate listening to him. Joe loves saying him. Always wins out. So anyway, stay tuned for that or be wary of that depending on what your perspective is. Good stuff with my boy. One of my favorite hot-headed podcasters, Joe from New York City. I'll have that for you in just a second. Few things real quick though. Uh, so look, I like promoting podcasts even when they're not mine, if I enjoy them. And my guy Tyler Dunn on his Go Long podcast this week had a very, very interesting guest. A guy who you never hear much from, at least in the Buffalo market anymore. I'm talking about my old friend, good buddy, choking slash nemesis, a guy I really don't like at all, Dante Whitner. That episode dropped on Thursday. Now, I haven't personally had a chance to hear it yet. I'm definitely going to very soon. Maybe even by the time you hear this, I'll have listened. But I heard that Whitner is actually pretty poignant about a lot of things 
on the show, uh, including Simon Buffalo. And there's a story behind his, which is very well documented. If you remember it at the time, his feud with Buffalo Bills legendary linebacker, uh, Daryl Talley. So go check that out. I heard it's really good. And again, I look forward to listening to it to myself. Go along with Tyler Dunn, wherever you get your podcast from, go check that out. Also, I just want to say this too. So the Buffalo Bills season obviously is now over. It was an amazing season. And with that said, I'm going to start at least a little bit more anyway, getting back to more of the, the meat and the potatoes of this podcast and the way I originally designed for it to be, which is sitting down with people from sports media and news media, athletes, entertainers and such, and just having quality, long-form conversations and giving fans an opportunity to know more about these people besides just what they do. More in-depth conversations than, frankly, I think you're going to find anywhere else. I used to do it all the time and kind of got wrapped up in the success of the Buffalo Bills and spent a lot of time talking about them, which was fun. And that's cool, but I'm going to get back to the roots of this podcast a little bit more. And uh, in fact, you know what? On next Friday's show, I'm going to have news reporter Gabby Mediak from Channel 4 with me. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to meeting and having a good conversation with her. And again, very, very more episodes like that in the near future, of course. You know, that's not to say that there's not going to be Bills and Sabres-centric episodes of this podcast. Definitely going to be plenty of those as well. A lot of the guys that are in my rotation of guests, Bills and Sabres, they'll be back on. Guys like Bruce Nolan and Aaron Quinn and Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot from the Bills side. Guys, of course, like like Joe Yurden and Chris Baker, Mike Harrington on the hockey side, stuff like that. So that's not going anywhere. I'm just going to start doing at least attempting to do a little bit better job of uh, mixing it up. And one last thing too, speaking of the Sabres, I did not talk to Joe during my taping with him about the saves, but got to say this at the top here. They've been playing some pretty decent hockey lately. You know, they played like crap last night, Thursday night, whatever you want to call it. But even then, they still stole a point from the New York Rangers because, frankly, Linus Allmark was just uh, spectacular. And that team was played like shit. They're a very crappy uh, team effort, at least for the first two periods anyway. But still, like I said, a pretty good team so far this year. Got points in five of their last six. They're three, three, and two through eight. Not great, but not bad either. You know, it's only a 56 game year or a 56 game season this year. So, you know, at least they're not getting buried in the division already and, you know, not getting a lot of balanced scoring, which, I mean, let's be honest here. We all knew that wasn't going to happen anyway, but we'll see. You know, maybe the Sabres have a, a legitimate playoff push in them. Again, shortened season, who knows? But at least for now, anyway, they're, keeping things interesting, and we'll talk about that much more in depth in episodes to come. But anyway, let's just get right down to business for today. Again, here it is, my chat with recurring guest and good buddy of mine, Joe from New York City. Joe from New York City. Yo, I got a trivia question for you. Right off the bat, man, we're going to start with this. How many times, if you had to guess, give me a guesstimate, how many times, including today, do you think you've been on this podcast? I'm going to say 35 times. You would be under by a oh. decent amount. Dude, I did not know this. This was not pre-planned. 
until about maybe an hour or so ago before we started taping. I went, I looked it up. This is your 50th time. Wow. On this podcast. 200 and this is 288. You've been on 50. Now, back in the day, we used to have much longer shows where I would have two guests on. Like I'd have a guest and I'd have you on, or then I have a guest and I'd have pucks on afterwards. So there was a time where like, it was literally every week, but yeah, I'm looking it up, man. 50 times, dude, you've been on the show. Let me ask you this. Where does this rank among your all time, like greatest accomplishments and personal triumphs? Oh gosh. It's, it's gotta be in the top 2 billion. Definitely <laughs> top 2 million. I would say, uh, I, I enjoy coming on here. I'm very happy. I, I do miss you having two guests because I feel when you had two guests, I had a better chance of coming on the podcast where now <laughs> it's like monthly. I have to kind of beg you a little bit. I'm like, Hey, can you get me on? I have like bills takes. I want to, I want to spew, which you're nice enough to allow me to be on. But I, I, I feel like because the two, the two man booth, or no, we have a three man booth technically. Cause you have three, you know, three people talking on the podcast. The old, the old days is much better than the two man booth. I mean, I, I get the attention, but I like if you have like Ty Dunod and I come on afterwards because I can just piggyback on Ty Dunn, who who has a slightly better following than me. And I'm being sarcastic. He has a much better following than me. But you, you <laughs> right. see what I'm saying? Like if I if I if you get Schefter on and I'm I'm the guy that comes on afterwards, shit, every, I'm going to be famous because I'm, I'm coming <laughs> in on him. So I prefer the two, the, the, the three man booth like we used to have. But yes, I, I like it that honor. way, too. It was more fun to do it that way. But honestly, it was more work because I'd have to do an extra segment. And then I also noticed that the podcasts were just getting too long. I mean, they were between an hour and a half to two hours long. And uh, sure, that's enough. It's hard enough to get people to listen to us for 45 minutes to an hour, let alone right. no, you know, 90 minutes to two hours. But it has been a month, man. So what have you been up to? Last time I had John was actually it was our New Year's Eve uh, episode. So very much the end of December where, God, dude, time flies. It feels like it was yesterday where you and I were talking about Christmas and being up in Buffalo and shit we got for Christmas, stuff like that. It feels, yeah, it feels like it was yesterday. And now yeah, we're man. Uh, almost I mean, at the it, end of January. What have you been I'm, up to? I mean, it's been crazy. I mean, we, we survived an insurrection. Uh, we survived Trump, you know, as of right now. <laughs> Hopefully he gets impeached or gets convicted. Uh, we saw the bills in the playoffs. We, wh- what else did we do? We, we saw GameStop stock go through the roof and now it's not going through the roof or whatever the hell's going on with that. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, personally, I'm I'm still with my lady. She hasn't kicked me to the curb yet. Uh, That's every, impressive. Everything's good with her. Uh, I'm. Uh, it's been great. It's been good. I'm working on my my a, a few TV projects. I'm keeping busy. I'm getting fat, so that's not good. And you know, it's tough. It's it's a it's it's, it's tough trying to you know maintain my physique. I mean, I'm going. I'm I'm still in that dad dad bod mode, but it's uh it's it's. It's tough, man. I, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do this, you know, moving forward. My birthday was uh, was about two weeks ago. I don't think you wished me a happy birthday, by the way, which I... Uh, I didn't know it was your birthday. Honestly, I really you're didn't. On fa- you're on Facebook. It gives, you get the alert. I don't get alerts, but I, I didn't honestly see your... Were you on Twitter tweeting about your birthday? Because you have a, I have a better chance of seeing something on Twitter than I do on Facebook. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook anymore. Really? I kept it kind of on the DL on Twitter. But yes, my birthday was January 17th. I turned 41. Um, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, me and the lady, we went to, they're still doing outdoor dining in New York City, but they do unique situations where 
I guess they don't do this in Buffalo, but they they do mini greenhouses basically. So mm-hmm. like picture like a mini greenhouse, which only like two people could fit in with a table and you, you have a heater inside. So she took me to this restaurant. It was right on the water, like between Queens and uh, Manhattan. It was awesome. You know, I got, you know, pigged out. Uh, I think we did went the day, the day after it was the day after the Ravens game. So we went there. That was fun. Got some cool gear. Uh, got some, she got me some ear clippers, which I guess should tell me, should tell everyone that I have to trim my hair on my ears, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, that happens. That happens. We, you know, I don't know. Do you have, does your, does your lady try to pamper you at all with like, Hey, clip your nose hairs, clip your ear hairs. And I wouldn't call shit? it pampering. I wouldn't call it pampering at this point. You, when you've been together for so many long enough, it's talking shit to you or just getting annoyed mm-hmm. with you. Like, dude, fucking cut your ear here. You know what I mean? Or trim your nose here or something like that. It's not, it's not, it's not done in a pleasant way. And it's not, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it pampering. Well, do you do that or no? Or do you not give a shit? You're like, sure. Yeah, no, I do. Dude, I'm not that old yet, man. I still care about my parents and stuff like that. I still take care of myself. I'm not, I haven't let myself go that much. At least not yet. Anyway, Mm, (laughs) still got a little bit to go before that. All right. But all right. So, you were just talking about restaurants in New York real quick. And obviously this show is going to be heavy today on talking about Brandon Bean's press conference that he did earlier this week. He talked about a lot of stuff and we'll pull some, uh, some meat off that bone. We'll have reactions on a lot of topics that he hit on for that though. I mean, like I said, you did talk about restaurants in New York. I did. And again, Florida dude, COVID has been over as far as like businesses are concerned pretty much since last June or July. I've told you that a million times on this show. It's nice to see now in Western New York that the orange and the, and the yellow restrictions have been lifted. It doesn't really change all that much, but at least it's a step in the right direction. You know, I know we still got a a ways to go and there's a lot to get accomplished and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's just good to know that, you know, some of these restaurants could start having up to 50% capacity. Uh, They could have 10 people at a table. I mean, you still have all the protocols in in, in place and they still got to close at 10. But like I said, baby steps, at least things are trending. Finally, it feels like, Things are starting to trend a little positively. Hopefully, we don't go backwards. Because again, I, I've said this a million times, and I'm not going to get into any type of conversation what my personal feelings are about what should or should not be open, stuff like that. I just want businesses to survive. I want people to be able to reasonably and healthily and safely be able to get out and start doing a little bit more at least. you know. So at least this is a step for New York State in the right direction. Are you kind of pleased with the, the way things are going? Yeah, I mean, it's a long, as you just said, it's a, it's a small step forward. I think a lot of it has to do with the vaccine, which the rollout hasn't been exactly great at all. But I think, you know, it's, the more people get vaccinated, the better we're all going to be. And I think that's the key as of right now. Once that starts happening, then it's I think cases will will, will get smaller, you know, will start shrinking a little bit. That's kind of our, I think, our yeah. faith right now. So I, I've been trying to get my mom vaccinated, but the website keeps getting keeps freaking you know you know uh it's not working or i called once and they said they couldn't they're not taking any more appointments because they have to wait till like april so maybe i don't know if it's changed recently because i know biden signed like an executive order to make more or whatever the fuck is going on there uh but yeah you know i'm uh, we'll see what happens i i do feel this year is still going to be rough and maybe 2022 is where you know, we have like a semblance of normalcy, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, like you said, the, the, the worst is over and we're just going to crawl back. Yeah. That's we the were. whole key. The word, the worst being over, hopefully, and at least trending towards the right direction 
is obviously the biggest. Can I ask you a question? Wait, hold on. Before we get there, because I, I, you know, we've talked a lot about, and you could take this off the podcast. I don't really mind, but we've talked a lot about Trump, and like I, I feel like I owe it to our audience for like a five minutes of discussion since he's gone. Finally, let's save that for the very end. Okay, we'll save that. I'll for come the back. End. I'll come back so people can, if they want, if they want to stay tuned the entire thing and hear Joe's rant. About Donald Trump, which, by the way, I knew that was going to come one way or the other. I just feel I like could, we we need I to feel, have that. We need to have the closure I, to him. To him, I I feel like if I didn't bring it up, you were going to regardless. At the sure. end, I've had that. I've also had a couple people. I tell you know, usually on Twitter, I'll let at least you know one or two tweets. I'll say like I'm having this person on and whatever. They're like, well, they're going to fight. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're, we probably are. But anyway, so before we get into Brandon Bean, there's this is kind of funny because it, it looks like we're going to have like this incredibly crazy NFL offseason of uh of quarterback carousel crazy. around the league. Quarterback mm-hmm. roulette, we'll call it. And it's funny because for so many years, this would very much involve the Buffalo Bills. That's obviously not going to be the case. And we'll, again, we'll talk some Josh Allen in a little bit. But I mean, you got Deshaun Watson, who's officially demanding a trade on Thursday, um, or requested a trade, I should say, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, Matt Stafford, that's already been discussed. He's probably going to get traded from Detroit. So those are two really good quarterbacks. It looks like they're going to get traded for sure. Uh, maybe Jared Goff. These are some big names, man. Sam Darnold could be gone if the Jets pick a quarterback with that second pick, which could happen. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Big Ben now. He did come on on Thursday and say he doesn't care about money this year. He's got like a $41 million cap it or some crazy Jesus. shit like that. Which... He said he's more than willing to restructure his deal, push some money back. So, you know, eventually they'll get rid of it. It'll be a cap friendly thing for him. So it won't be about money, but I don't know. There could be a case to be made that dude looks pretty washed up regardless of what his salary is. So who knows what's going to happen with him in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mitch Trubinsky's probably done in Chicago. They'll look to move on from him. Drew, even Drew Locke in Denver. Big mystery. It's going to be a crazy. I mean, we both know this and everyone who follows football knows this. The NFL never really truly ends. It's a year round. It's really going to be the case this year because there's going to be some quarterback changes going all over the place. It's going to be nuts, ain't it? Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. I was talking to, to uh, my buddy, Rich. Uh, he's on Twitter at Rich underscore fan. You know him. Everyone should. Uh, and we were talking about how crazy this offseason is going to be about the quarterback carousel. And I, I'm just thinking to myself, I hope these quarterbacks, for the Bills' sake, all leave, you know, stay in the NFC or leave the AFC for the NFC, you know, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the value is for all these quarterbacks. Cause franchise quarterbacks like Stafford or Watson, like, or golf, like they, they're, those guys are hardly ever on the market to get traded. You know what I mean? Like, I can't remember like the last trade of a quarterback where like, you know, an established quarterback got traded you know, for picks that, you know, it wasn't like get the hell out of here deal. Like, you know, you especially were still in your a guy, prime. yeah, especially a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's just entering his prime. I mean, he's already yeah. one of the best quarterbacks. You can make a case that Stafford's best days might be behind him. Maybe you can make a case that Jared Goff just minus one year was never really as good as we thought he was going to eventually become. But yeah, man, Deshaun Watson, Jesus, man, that's a, you know, that's a guy who's one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's just, he's still ascending. It is nuts. Yeah, it's, and it, could, and it, it could affect and, the Bills. And I don't and I don't think Stafford, you know, you mentioned Stafford's better day. I don't think so. Stafford's still like what he was drafted what, 2009? I mean, he's he's barely over 30. You know, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not like Tom Brady or sure, uh, sure. or Drew Brees. Yeah, so I mean, I think, but I mean, he's been around for it feels like 
Maybe it's because he's been in Detroit for so long and taken so many beatings and been on so many losing teams. But yeah, yeah he's 2009. I mean, that's not, it's not young. He's all, he is 32. He'll be 33 soon or next month. So he'll be turning 33, but even 33 is not that old, man. He's still got a good five, six years probably of relatively good football. By the way, I forgot to mention Matt Ryan from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He very well could be gone. But Drew I do Brees, think some teams. Drew Brees might be retiring. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees is going to retire. So, yeah, yeah New saying. Orleans, I mean, are they going to bring back Jameis Winston? There's just so many uh, interesting, I don't know necessarily exciting, but definitely interesting uh, scenarios going on. Now, some teams I think are definitely going to build through the draft. They get rid- like, we already know Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, they, if Detroit trades Stafford, I'm going to assume they got a high pick. They're going to try to take a rookie quarterback. What would you um, give up? Let me ask you this. What would you I want I'm going to take I want to take Stafford and Watson cuz I think they're probably we already know they're they're getting dealt or it looks like they're going to get dealt. What would you trade for Watson? What I don't know what what would I trade or what would it take? What would it take? Yeah, like, I'd, I'd be willing to bet you it's going to be multiple first round picks and more. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um do we hear a lot of rumors that his preferred destinations were either New York or Miami, to which I say, ain't happening. If you're the, listen, Houston's a disaster. They're a mess right now, but they ain't trading Deshaun Watson to the AFC. They especially, by the way, Indianapolis is another team. Phillip Rivers retired. I mean, God, I, we keep going on and on with the, yeah. the list of teams that are going to be doing something at quarterback. I feel, Deshaun, I feel the Deshaun Colts. Watson's a, the Colts are a perfect fit, but dude, there's no, there's a zero chance that's happening. No, Why can, would Houston change in their division and face Deshaun Watson twice a year? No, that's not no going to happen. I can see the Colts getting Stafford. I don't know why. Sure. I, I think Stafford, like his wife, great, his great wife's, an, yes, and his wife's annoying. She's just a crazy Republican. Sorry, I'm going to make it political. She's a crazy Republican. She can go to Indianapolis and hang with Pence. I think I could just see that happening just because they have proven the Colts that they want a. Um, uh, they they always go for veteran quarterbacks. Like they signed Philip Rivers. Like I could see that as a possibility. And Detroit gets them out of their conference. Watson, that's a good point. I, I never really thought about the conference thing. Like, do you want to trade him within the conference, or you know, who who in the NFC would has a lot of draft capital to like give them up? Because I keep everyone keeps talking about, we, like you said, the Jets and the Dolphins because the Jets and Dolphins can give can trade away either Darnold or Tua. To you know, to the Texans as like you, hey, yeah. here's your youth quarterback. Here's two or three draft picks. I mean, Miami, Dol- Miami's Miami's got the third overall pick, which was Houston's from a mm-hmm. trade from two years ago. So, yeah, they got the draft capital for sure. Yeah. The Jets and the Dolphins, but I just I don't see, just like with DeAndre Hopkins, they traded him, but it was to an NFC team. So if if you're asking what would it take, I would say for sure multiple first round picks and more. And in terms of what teams. Uh, the the best team I can think of, the best fit, and to get them out of your hair in the in the AFC, maybe Frisco. I mean, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, which again, let's add them to the list. I don't know that they're settled on Jimmy Garoppolo. I can no. see the Patriots making a move, by the way, for one of these quarterbacks. Whether they have, Stafford, a, they have a lot whether of cap Jimmy, room. They have a lot of do. cap room, and they could fit yeah. some one of those guys under there. So I can see Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to New England. I could see Drew Stafford for Is sure. It- isn't Jim O'Brien going to New England though? I, I could have sworn I saw something like that that he might be going. Or no, he's going to Alabama. Never mind. Okay, I, I think you know who I saw. It was the guy, the, the Lions' ex-coach, the one who got fired, Matt Patricia. I think it's going back to New England. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. So, so anyway, yeah, it's it's going to be a crazy, 
it's going to be a crazy. Like I said, I hope all those quarterbacks go to the NFC. I hope they. I hope we don't get Watson in our division. I hope Stafford doesn't go to the Colts. Like, go to San Fran. Go to the Saints. Go to Chicago. Like, go over there and have fun over there. Yeah, it's just like I said, man. You know, it's just weird. For and again, Deshaun Watson going to Indianapolis. I bet my life that's not happening. I'm not going to go as far to bet my life that he wouldn't get traded. Me, if Miami's going to give him a deal. That's going to blow the roof off. Maybe Houston trades them inside the conference. Mm-hmm. Definitely not in the division. But yeah, I would say Miami and New England. Uh, not New England, but Miami and the Jets. They're definitely. It's, the AFC East is going to get better at quarterback this offseason. That's what I'm telling you. Right now it's Darnold. It's Tua. And who it ain't going to be Cam Newton. I can promise you that. In New England. And Tua, who knows? I mean, unless Miami gets a, a really good veteran, they might just roll with Tua. But one or two. Three of these teams could have different quarterbacks next year. Yeah, I'm just interested because I think we're going to have, unlike other years, like you said, we're going to have a lot of different quarterbacks moving. We're going to have bidding wars for Watson. And I'm, I'm thinking of like trades like in the past. Like I remember, remember when Carson Palmer got traded to the Raiders and Palmer was like 30 years old, I think. And he was retired at that time. And the Raiders, because he didn't want to play for the Bengals anymore. And the Raiders, I think the Raiders gave him a first and a second rounder for him. And he wasn't even close to being as good as Watson. And I would probably say he's better, you know, Stafford was better than he is. Maybe they're kind of equal at that time. But, like, man, there's going to be Watson. That's going to be a haul and a half. That's going to be like Herschel Walker of the 21st century. You know what I mean for a trade, I think. We're going to talk quarterbacks again shortly. Not these big-name quarterbacks, but as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. But like I said, the primary point of it is it's different if you take, say, the last maybe 24 years, 25 years since Jim Kelly retired in 96. There's been but a handful of years, uh, maybe Flutie in 99, he was really good, or Bledsoe in 2002, his first year, or Josh Allen, obviously, last year. Maybe Tyrod Taylor, after one year, he was, we thought we were going to, you know, we thought Buffalo would, would do well with him. There's more off seasons than not. It's been, when you get this kind of quarterback carousel going there, we would at least be having conversations about what the bills may do. So it's really different and frankly, refreshing to let, let the other teams worry about it this time around. Totally. Sorry to interrupt, but like, let me ask you this question. And I, 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 then we could get to like the rundown. Sure. I asked Twitter this about two weeks ago and overwhelmingly you're going to, when I ask you the question, you're going to know what direction it is because it's a bill centric Twitter. Would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson. How many? I, I I did a poll and I had I asked it and I got a lot of people. It was hypothetical, like rumblings retweeted it, and I think I muted my muted my notifications because I, I was having some Dick Bills fans like, "Well, you want to get rid of Allen already?" I'm like, "No, I'm just it's a hypothetical." I definitely had at least ninety percent say they wanted Allen instead of Watson. I would say. It's definitely Deshaun Watson. I don't even think there's much consideration. But let me say oh, this: there was a lot, people. dude. Like it was, well, it was not with me. You're in a minority in that because they were a lot. And again, it's Bill's Twitter, so you know. All right, but you know what? If you were to ask me that, if you went down 32 NFL teams, I would say I would take Patrick Mahomes straight up. This is just straight up, no contract stuff, sure. no nothing. You know, you got your team for what's next year, 2021, and a couple years beyond. I would take Patrick Mahomes before Josh Allen. I would take Deshaun Watson before Josh Allen. And maybe, maybe I would take Russell Wilson, maybe, mm. before Josh Allen. I think, though, I think that's it. 
I w- I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers because he's 37. Aaron Rodgers sure, is the MVP of the sense. league this year. He will be, but he's 37 years old. But give me 25-year-old Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't know exactly how old Watson is, but I know he's in his mid-20s as well. Russell Wilson's a little older, but he's a great quarterback. Those are the only three I would take. It's not a slight against Josh Allen. I just think Deshaun Watson is one of the top players in the entire NFL. Yeah. Just trapped in a horrible situation in Houston. Terrible management. O'Brien should have never been coached, let alone coach and GM. Uh, they got rid of Hopkins. They've had shit offensive lines, not enough talent. Uh, they've underachieved the defense. It's just been a bad situation. But man, Watson, had, Watson had, sorry, Watson had an incredible year after they traded Hopkins. That should tell you, like, think about that. Like, he yeah, the 4 12 team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't his fault, obviously, but he, statistically speaking, he had a great year. But I would. I'm with you. I would pick uh, – it's it's tough, but I would definitely pick Watson over Allen in terms of that because Watson has been awesome since day one. He's got more years of being awesome than Josh Allen does. That's why. Just, just imagine Deshaun Watson with Stephon Diggs and Beasley and Brown and a better offensive line than what Houston has and most importantly, a better culture, better sure. organizational with management and a better coordinator with Dable and a better defense. Come on, man. I. I love Josh Allen. And again, we'll talk about him in a, in a few, but that's just, that's one of those things that doesn't require, it shouldn't require a whole lot of thinking. Now, hey, ask me that in 2024, if Josh Allen has three straight MVP caliber seasons, maybe we'll have that discussion. But right now, nah, no shot. Totally. Good. Anyway, all right, so let's move on. So again, Brandon Bean had his press conference end of the season this past week. Which, by the way, before we talk about that, we're certainly not going to rehash the Kansas City game. That's way old now, old news. But did it take you a couple of days to really get over it? Because we're taping this well into Thursday now. I'm just starting to feel normal again. Like, man, Monday for sure. And at least part of Tuesday, I didn't want to hear nothing from nobody. I didn't go on. Well, I'd go on on Twitter, but I didn't like pay much attention. I didn't watch any of my ESPN shows or Fox shows or things like that that I normally would watch with football coverage, NFL Network. I just didn't want to see the highlights. And it was just hard for me to stomach. It took me a couple of days to really get over it. And I'm just starting to. So before we get into Brandon Bean, like what has been your process this week? Did you get over it relatively quickly or are you still really bothered? I'm kind of bothered before you answer. The only thing I want to say about the game itself is I'm most bothered that I still have this terrible feeling in me that the Bills did not hit them with their best shot. If they would have played with, if they would have hit them with their best shot and lost, I'd be all right. But I feel like they didn't give them their best shot. That's what bothers me. But anyway, what, what's been like your process during this week getting over this? You know, I, I got over it probably the next day. And, you know, I, I was tossing and turning going into that game. You know, for the most of the week, I thought the Chiefs were going to win it. I thought the Bills. I thought the Chiefs' defense was a lot better than a lot of people had given them credit for. I know their DVOA was was not that great, but you know there were games. If you look at their schedule this year, you know they they the the Bucks have the Tampa Bay has a great offense and they held them to under thirty points. You know, there's been a lot of games where you know their scoring defense has been in the top twelve. So I was kind of preparing myself for them to kind of lose, and then probably. Around Saturday, I think Twitter being excited about the game, and I, I turned my I turned it over and go, you know what, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. It was just me being a co- complete homer, and and of course they lost. So I wasn't shocked by it, but yeah, it took me about a day or so to get over it. I think what pissed me off, or like you know, I as you said, like they didn't really give them their best shot. The kicking the field goals thing that 
fucking pissed me off. I don't know why. Like, I, people are still kind of talking about it, and I don't get why people are annoyed at other people for talking about it. And I'm, and I'm talking about Aaron Quinn, if he's listening to this. You know, sorry, dude, but, like, people should be pissed off about the field goal attempts. That was, that was stupid. Like, it was just the weirdest thing ever. Like, did they lose because of that? No. But, like, if you're breaking down, like, the five, ten things that they did wrong, that's in the top five you know, for that game. But yeah, it, it was the, it sent the wrong message. I feel like it sent the wrong message to Josh in the, in the offense. And it sure, wasn't and a, a vote of confidence does mean something in, in not just football and sports from your coach. Well, it's not even that, but it's just like, Hey, you're, you're going against a freaking juggernaut, an offensive team that was just running up the field on you. It could have been worse. Like to the first drive of the game, Tariq Hill drops at like 30 yard, pass like he catches that yeah. who knows they got freaking 30 they got seven there maybe and then that was like the only f- point of the game that was the only point in the game for kansas city on that yeah. first drive and it was because Tyreek Hill dropped it yeah and you and look you know and we'll get into this but like you know the defense the it's just like they don't match up well against kansas city like the bills are a team that gives up a lot of catches to tight ends they were they ranked first in giving up uh catches to tight ends this season they they don't have enough defensive back help after like especially at cornerback after you you leave Trey White so you have like you know you play zone and like Hill is such a burner you can just burn past your zone and the Chiefs and it's not you know there's no um, like shame in it but this, the Chiefs aren't on another level like their offense is just awesome and we saw that on Sunday yeah for sure and Brandon Bean talked about that during his press conference that they got a ways to go man before they are going to be better than the Chiefs. And he said it's not just about being the Chiefs. You can't forget about the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots in, in their division, which to me is kind of a little bit of a, of coach speak. By the way, one other thing, too, with Deshaun Watson, I was looking just as you were talking. Aaron Wilson, who is a very credible reporter for the Houston Chronicle, cited league sources saying that it would take probably three first-round picks for Houston to give up Deshaun. So you had asked me what it would take. Mm-hmm. There is a, a more credible answer than me. But anyway, getting back to Brandon Bean, um, one thing he talked about, he doesn't expect big moves like last year. Now, last year was a very big offseason for the Bills. Um, obviously, they traded for Stephon Diggs. They revamped the defensive line. And he talked about specifically the salary cap decreasing. Uh, they're going to focus on resigning guys and filling a couple holes with guys who leave. And then, obviously, uh, the draft. He, there's an estimate. He didn't say this, but I looked it up. The, the NFL cap could go down by like $22 million this year, which is about 11% of what it was last year to 176. The Bills, last year, the Bills didn't really have a lot of, of their own to worry about. I can't, in fact, I can't even remember off the top of my head who, who were key free agents, but... Shaq Phillips this, were the... Yeah, were the- and Jordan Phillips, and they both left. Um, understandably so, but this year's a different story. I mean, there's some significant uh, free agents of their own. Matt Milano, Feliciano, uh, Darrell Williams. Those are three pretty big names. Andre Roberts, uh, going down a li- little bit. Isaiah McKenzie. Levi Wallace is a free agent, although he's a, a restricted free agent, so they can tender him. But point being is that the Bills are not in great cap shape, but to be fair, because of the way the cap is decreasing, there's a lot of teams this year that are going to be in a, the same situation as Buffalo. So it's not just like only Buffalo. There's a handful of teams that are going to be in really good cap shape, and they're going to have a bigger advantage this year than any year because, again, more teams are not in great cap shape. But anyway... Does that surprise you at all to hear that from uh, Brandon Bean? Because he is a pretty, compared to other GMs, at least to me, I think he's pretty transparent and honest about things and his intentions. And again, last year, he made a lot of moves. And this year, I, you're probably not going to see a lot of that. What do you think? 
I don't really I don't think he's as transparent as you think. I think he kind of lies a little bit, to be honest, because I, I well, almost I'm, some I'm almost 90 percent certain he said the same thing last year that because remember the two years ago they went like they added so many free agents, like a lot of guys like Quentin Spain and, and John Brown and and Beasley and a lot of guys like and then last year, I'm almost positive he said the same thing that they weren't going to be as aggressive, that they were looking to resign their own guys. And there have been there have been moments that he's like BS people. I mean, like I remember the Antonio Brown thing, the LaShawn McCoy thing. Like, oh yeah, we we just wanted to cut him because we wanted him to have a fresh start. When it's like, no, you couldn't you couldn't trade him, buddy. Like, but I I digress. I, it's possible that you know he's just this is just coach speak or GM speak if you want to say that they could still rework deals and get under the cap. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it tomorrow and next year. You can manipulate the cap. You can restructure team. You can restructure deals on your team. The 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 teams like the Saints, the Rams, they've been against the cap forever, and they always resign guys and sign new players to come in. They could be aggressive. Now, will they? If they, if they don't, okay, I guess like I'm wrong here, but I, I I wouldn't put too much into the cap as of right now. I still think they can make moves if they want to, just by restructuring deals and going from there. But. Uh, I wouldn't take it to like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to be aggressive. Like, I don't know. He Again, he said that last year. I'm 90% positive he said we're not going to be super aggressive in free agency. And they pretty much were, you know. So I I, I don't know. We'll see what he says in, in regards to that. Well, the difference between, I think, last year and even the year before compared to this year is the Bills were in excellent cap shape because they spent a lot of 2018 purging payroll and eating a lot of dead money to get in that situation. But what I would present to you, and and by the way, I agree to an extent, I don't think they're going to be crazy aggressive, but I don't think they're just going to sit back and just try to re-sign one or two of their own guys to call it a day. And here's the biggest reason, Joe, if if you're ever going to be in win now mode, isn't it the time now, right now, you are one game away from being in the Super Bowl. You have a team, you got a lot of good players. This is where you go for it. What are you worried about? The I shouldn't say you should never not worry about the future. But let's not focus on the future because this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender right now. The difference between you and I having this conversation right now in late January of 2021 and late January of 2020 is we were hoping the Bills last year at this time would be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now they are, bro. They went 13-3. and three. They were, Again, they got to the AFC Championship. If you're not in win-now mode and you're not going to be willing to be aggressive if the opportunity presents itself, well, then when, they, when the hell are you? Yeah, I think it's it's always win now. Look, this is year. Where are we going into now? Year five of McBean. Like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely win now mode. You know, so be aggressive because, like, we already know that like Josh Allen's contract is going to be coming up soon at some point. So you know that's going to take up a lot of cap space unless he like completely falls on his face next year, which I don't think he is. I mean, they could make him. They could do what they did with Trey White and extend them in this offseason if they want. Well, they could, they could do that, right? I I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they signed Josh Allen during this offseason. You know what? Let's transition. Right. Let's sit on there right now because now he's eligible. This, this is where he could have a – you could see a potential Josh Allen extension. And mm-hmm. when it comes to Josh, Brandon, you know, this is where he had a kind of that really typical coach speak. He said he's not going to comment on any ongoing potential – uh, negotiations. Now, I I looked it up and I looked at some projections on where I think Josh Allen should or could get a deal, and I land on around thirty five million a year with 
around 70 million guaranteed at signing and over a hundred total million in guarantees. Now it sounds like so much money. Um, but here's the deal. Number two things, only quarterbacks that are averaging more than 34 million a year is Mahomes, who averages 45, which that's crazy. He's not going to touch that. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he's averaging 39 million a year. Uh, Russell Wilson is averaging 35 million a year and big Ben Roethlisberger, which I think is going to change. He'll get restructured, but right now he's averaging 34 to pay Josh Allen, 35 million a year seems crazy in a way, but here's the thing, Joe, you got to admit this, Josh Allen, if there was ever a quarterback in Buffalo since Jim Kelly, who had all the leverage, how does Josh Allen not have all the leverage right now? If he wants to play hardball and he really wants to deal this off season and he wants to pull a, a, you know, a Dak Prescott or some, some shit like that, if he was going to threaten the whole, I'm not saying he's going to, and I don't expect him to, but he could, he has the leverage right now to get a really, really good deal. So he might, go for, he might just ahead. say a couple of things. First off, he might say, I don't need a new deal this off season because the cap's going down. He might say, Hey, let's just he wait could. till he, let's just wait till next year. Cause the cap will be up. He'll have more space. He'll, there'll be more deals for him to like base it off of. And two, I wouldn't, I would put him in Mahomes' money. And I'm going to tell you why. Every year, it's inflation for the NFL. Every, any new quarterback that's like coming to the market to get paid will always make more than the guy the year before. That's just how it is. I remember, I think it was two years ago, like Matt Stafford was the highest paid quarterback in the league. Matt Stafford was, has never been the best quarterback in the league. He's a good quarterback, but he's never been. But like where his contract was when he got paid, it was the perfect timing for him to get paid a lot. So I think that's – I wouldn't – he's going to – I think he's going to be in the Mahomes category for money, not just because he's – it's Josh Allen. Like, I think he's he's better than Mahomes. We know he's not. But, like, just because of the optics of the, of the salaries and how they always seem to skyrocket. And aside from him getting paid, I think I, I think Diggs is going to want to get a raise. Diggs right now is, like, the, the 15th highest paid wide receiver in the league right now. And I was listening to um, – Tyler Dunn's podcast. Oh no, I read Tyler Dunn's article. Excuse me about Diggs, and he basically said from a source that Diggs wa- Diggs is going to want a new contract. So it's going to be an interesting offseason where they're going to have to. They may have to pony up some money for those for their two best players on this team, arguably. Yeah, when it comes to Stephon Diggs, as of right now, his cap number for next year is thirteen point four five million. His base mm-hmm. salary which is what matters to Stefan Diggs anyway. His base salary is 12.7 and he's got a half a million prorated bonus. So I don't know, he's he's getting just a little over 13 million he's scheduled to make next year. Could happen. It would really I think that would hurt the Bills immensely if he were to demand a new contract right now. He still has counting next year, he's still got 3 years left on his deal. Maybe hopefully he could play another year under this current deal, and then they could re-examine it in 2022, give him even a, a better bump than if he were getting it now. Um, yeah, but it could happen, though. You are right. It could happen. Josh Allen, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of talk. I don't know if he's going to get an extension. I don't know how much it's going to bother him if he doesn't. But put it this way, whether it's this year or next year, right? as of right now, he's in line to make that 32 to $38 million a year Mm-hmm. salary. And that's going to be a lot. Now, in terms of next year, again, Brandon Bean was talking about the cap decreasing. Um, there are some potential 
and I don't want to get like into a deep dive of evaluating these guys. We got all not all off season, but we got some time to get into that. But like some potential cap cuts. John Brown, if they were to cut him, they could save almost eight million against the cap. Um Addison, over six million. Vernon Butler, six point eight million. Jefferson, eight million. Lee Smith, two and a quarter million. Uh even Mitch Morris, almost five million. Which by the way, if you take away Morrison Smith, I just named three guys, Addison Butler and Jefferson, who literally were just signer signed with the Bills uh one year ago. But anyway, more on them in a minute. But John Brown to me seems to be the guy that I land on for the most likely to get cut if the Bills are looking to get cap room, which they have to be looking to get cap room. So some of these guys I just mentioned, they're not going to be here next year because the Bills need cap room. And that's the only realistic way to get rid of them. I can see John Brown restructuring because there's no way if, um, if he gets cut, he's not getting $8 million again because he had a down year. He got hurt. So I feel like maybe they'll work something out where they restructure him. I'm going to say this because like the John Brown thing has been kind of out like, like in terms of like, you know, other podcasts and everyone speculating about it. I'm fine with getting rid of John Brown, but you better have a replacement for John Brown. I don't want it to be like a situation where it's like, okay, hey, we're just going to, we think Gabriel Davis is going to be the number three guy next year. And then it's going to be, it's going to be like Cole Beasley as number two. I just, I don't like that idea. I would, I think in this day and age, you're a passing freaking offense. You pass the ball a lot. Don't just say we're going to get rid of him and we're just going to we're just going to make it out like oh hey everyone everyone's just going to move up a roster spot or whatever like I would not do that if you want to get rid of him because you want to find maybe a younger version of John Brown cool but I would not do it to where hey just get rid of him and what's we're just going to roll with the same three wide receivers like they did the last month of the season which I know they did well without him like the last month but who were they playing okay come on like they were new england new england's trash san francisco was trash denver was trash like uh, you know we just saw what happened in in when you started playing better defenses like baltimore and kansas city you kind of saw what happened a little bit so i i think you you want to maintain that offense like that offense at some point so you want to get rid of brown cool find him a replacement though as for the other guys I don't. I hope they don't cut Mitch Morris. I don't know what the hell happened. Like I, I still can't get over that weird thing that happened in the middle of the year when he had the concussion and they didn't play him. And then McDermott was super weird about it. And then, and then I, I it's it's weird in a way because I do wonder if Mitch Morris would have lost his job if if Cody Ford didn't get 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 hurt and they would have put Feliciano at center. Like I do wonder that because it was just such a weird. There was just something weird in the air at that point. So. I don't know. I don't – I'm not into into cutting my, my center. I am not a John Feliciano fan either. I think he's one of the most overrated Bills players right now on the roster. He got eating alive against the Chiefs on Sunday and everyone – and not everyone, but like there was talk like, oh, he's playing this week, so the defensive tackle isn't going to have as, as big of a day as he did the first time around. No, the, you know, the guy got – you know Feliciano got thrown into, into Josh Allen's lap, lap repeatedly that day. So I would keep him – the other defensive lineman, Addison Butler Jefferson. Yeah, I can, I don't. I'm not gonna uh, Jefferson. I'm not gonna really lose sleep over. Same with Butler. You know, Addison. I kind of like. I think at six million, he's kind of a little bit of a bargain. Like, but he is kind of on the wrong side of his. He's a little bit older. It seems like, and maybe that defensive line has to get a little bit younger. But I would definitely. I would not cut Morris. I would definitely try to restructure John Brown. 
And for the defensive players, eh, fine. You can get rid of them if you want to really save money. Lee Smith, fuck him. I don't care about Lee Smith. He does nothing for me. Well, let me, we'll circle back to the defensive line in a minute. But anyway, with Mario Addison, by the way, that's what they would save by cutting him. Right now, his cap number Uh, for 2021 is about 10.2 million. But anyway, one thing that Brandon Bean was pretty transparent about was he doesn't think the Buffalo Bills running game is good enough. He said that they need to run the football better moving forward. And he went out of his way to say they don't need to run the ball more. They need to run it more effectively. I 100% agree with this. And I'm telling you right now, we could sit here and talk for 10 minutes or for 10 hours. I am very confident in what I'm about to tell you. Oh. Devin Singletary. All right, so he had 4.4 yards per carry. That's fine. But he was benched against the Chiefs after dropping that pass off for TJ Yeldon. Uh, Devin Singletary never had an 85-yard rushing game the entire season, which again, they didn't run the ball that much, so that's not entirely his fault. Dune ain't that fast. He ain't making that many people miss. He ain't running through a lot of tackles. That Chiefs game, it was unbelievable. Now again, the, the line was not good, especially run blocking. But it looked like he was getting the football and just running in the contact and going down. I made it a point to say to myself, yo, this dude is not getting past one single defender. He's untrustworthy. Even going back last year as a rookie in that playoff game against Houston, the last 24 plays, I went and looked this up. The last 24 plays the Bills ran in the fourth quarter in overtime against Houston in that playoff loss, he didn't have a single carry. All right. They tried to get Le'Veon Bell during this season when they had Singletary and Moss and Sean McDermott admitted it. He was open about it, which is really weird. I think Devin Singletary has played his last snap as a Buffalo Bill. They'll keep Zach Moss. I don't know if they'll try to get a free agent. It's not a great free agent class. Or if they draft another running back who could be as early as the first round, late first round, second, third round, whatever. But they're going to make a very concerted effort, in my opinion, to upgrade over Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is not the answer. Not at all. What do you think about that? You really hate Devin Singletary. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I I want to like him. Last year, last year, dude, last year I had Greg Thompson on the show. I went back because we were having a conversation about our best takes and our worst takes last year or coming into the season. A year ago at this time, I thought Devin Singletary was going to be a star. I, this was before they traded for Diggs. We didn't know we were going to get MVP caliber Josh Allen. I said Devin Singletary is going to be the best player offensively on the Bills this coming season. He's just not the guy. He ain't making nobody miss. Zach Moss, had he not gotten hurt, which was a bigger injury, by the way, than, than we realized at that time. Because, again, Devin Singletary gave them zero in the playoffs. Just zero. Can't trust him. Got You got to do better than him. I, my opinion, I don't think they're trading him. And I think if you listen to cut him. I don't know. They're not cutting him, dude. He's like a th- second year. Come on, dude. He's a former third round pick. Well, he had a good a year. Third year. Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. I think they have already spent, you know, what day two draft picks on two running backs, and yeah. what, what Brandon Bean said. Look, he he was he was the first to blame it on everyone else, not the running backs. Like he did say that he was mostly it's not he on did. them. He not did, that. and I and I think that's a te- that's a that's that tells you right there that he's kind of fine with his guys, and he's going to the offensive line and the scheme, which I have said this for years now. Love Brian Dable, should be a head coach, help, knows how to throw the football. Running the football, they have had a lot of different running backs 
since he came into since he became the offensive coordinator. Shady, Gore, Singletary, Moss. They have all been pretty mediocre at running the football, all four of them. And you could say, well, McCoy was over the hill, Gore was over the hill, or, you know, whatever, like, you know, Singletary can't avoid people, whatever. But the point is, it has not been a great running game unless it's Josh Allen running on his own. And I want, I think that there's something with the system a little bit, that the system isn't good enough for them to run on. Because it makes no sense for them not to run the football. I go back to the Colts game. The Colts game, they had, like, the Colts are playing like five guys in the box. Okay. Like you should be able to run at will at them. And they couldn't run at them at all. And I don't know. It's again a combination of the backs, the running, the, the, the offensive line. But I think people need to talk more about the scheme because I've, I've, I've been, I've watched football a long fucking time. I've seen it to where you have the same offensive talent on the line and at running backs where a coach leaves and they, they're like on a high note and then a new coach comes in with a new system and it goes to hell. I saw it when Greg Roman was here and then it went to freaking whatever the hell that idiot was who they fired within a year. I already forgot his name. But like the, the year they broke the drought, the running game wasn't nearly as good when they had Carlos Williams or, or Mike Gilsley and uh, McCoy. It went downhill. I remember when C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, they were awesome on their Changeli. And when Changeli left – same offensive unit with the same offensive line, same running backs with uh, Doug Marone. It went. It wasn't even nearly as good. I put a lot of that on the scheme right now. I think we've seen good out of Singletary going back to last year and this year. You hey you if you want to say well he never got over eighty six yards. Well of course he's not going to get over eighty six yards. He's he's splitting carries with Zach Moore with Zach Morris with with Moss. Excuse me. And like um, I think that's Saved a big deal by the bell. Yeah, yeah it is. Well, dude. Look, he, he, Moss was injured for so many years, so he did have opportunities. And again, I know his stats, his yards per carry were fine. And I, oh, and they I never, made it a they point. They didn't run it that much, but they just have to be better at it. They didn't run it that he, much. Look, he's just there's nothing there's nothing special about Devin Singletary. He's just another I think, guy. I think you're I think you're you're shitting on him a little bit too much, dude. You're forgetting last year. You know he. I think you're still angry about the one drop. And I'm going to say this right now. I thought McDermott. I, I thought McDermott fucked him over. Why are you going to TJ fucking Yeldon after that? Like, give because me a break. He was more productive. Oh, because he was no, more productive. He was barely more productive, dude. dude Devin, Singletary, Devin Singletary didn't break a single tackle against the Chiefs, and he dropped okay. the pass open in the flat. You got to be accountable for that. That was a no, big you play in the game. You, you don't be accountable. Okay, it was a drop, but you don't go to freaking like the, the bum on the freaking bench. TJ Yeldon hasn't played at all this year, Pat. That at was all. a coaching and that was going, a bet. The, he was the, more productive. No, he's he more productive. Wasn't. What? Go, go read me his box score. TJ Yeldon more productive. You're acting like TJ Yeldon came in there and was like 10 carries, 60 yards. They didn't run the ball at all. That was a well, stupid, that was TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon caught four passes for 41 yards. And guess what he didn't do? He didn't drop a fucking pass people, people wide open in the flats. You know what? Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't bench the, uh, the 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 punt returner, the second wide receiver when he when he when he fumbled that football. Instead, they gave him another chance, and he had to end around for like 70 yards. And the guy's still running for. Dude, and they just know, they I, don't they don't trust Singletary. They, I'm telling you, this goes back to over. This goes back all the way to last year, and it's never changed. They don't trust Devin Singletary, nor should they. Um, they shouldn't. I, I think I think you're forgetting. Hey, don't forget. Hey, don't forget the Denver game. They rushed for like 160 yards oh, in that Jesus. game, right? Did you just say Denver? You just said Denver. That should be the end of the discussion right there. You just said Denver. Oh, okay, but you like, can run. You can not, run on Denver. Okay, but you're acting like he's a bum. I don't think he's a bum. I think he's 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 in an offense that's miss that doesn't run the football all that much. 
And, you know, I think it's a, the running scheme isn't very good. It just isn't. I, I have this evidence, like, going back to when when he, when he Dable came here. It hasn't been a good running attack at all. Even when they tried to run the football, it hasn't been very good. And I think you're putting it too much on Singletary. Like, it's his fault. And I don't think they're going to – I you know, I'm not sitting here to say, like, hey, I wouldn't mind an upgrade. Like, look, I'm, I'm team let's have the mega offense. I'm team let's build the offense even more. You want to get, like – your version of CJ Spiller, who's going to be a guy who only needs 10 carries and like, he can take it to the house, you know, you know, like it's a dual threat that can catch fine. But like, I have, I have issues where I wonder if this offense, if the offensive corner who I do love, Hey, he's Mr. Pass guy. He's great. I don't know if he knows how to use running backs. I just don't don't think Devin, I don't think Devin Singletary is an effective running back. He's just not, he makes a lot of mistakes. And again, I know it's just one drop pass, but you know what? That wasn't, I can't sit there and go do box score, do box score. That ain't the first time I've seen that from Singletary. They don't trust him. They need somebody who could be more effective. I don't know that Zach Moss is that guy. I still feel like Moss is a two or maybe a one B, but they could do better than Devin Singletary. And by the way, I do think, I do think TJ Eldon not playing him ahead of Singletary from the first snap of the game in the couple weeks before that. I think it was a mistake, man. I, I really oh, do. God. You know what's crazy about this offense? What? is uh, TJ Yeldon's a- not involved in it? What? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Your TJ Yeldon love is weird to me, dude. But go I ahead. Don't, I don't love TJ Yeldon. I just know that thing. Devin Singletary's not the guy. The offense, here's the deal. Dude, they were second in the NFL in points. They were second in the NFL this season in yards. But now we're going into an offseason where obviously Josh Allen is not a question mark. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is not a question mark. Beasley's not a question mark. Aside from that, though, a lot of question marks going into this offseason. You just talked about the offensive line, which I completely agree, which is weird because, all right, so Feliciano's a free agent. Morse could get cut if they want to save cap room. It would be a money move, probably. Deion Dawkins is solid. Daryl Williams was a good right tackle as a free agent. I'm going to assume they're going to try to bring him back. Uh, Feliciano, Cody Ford was hurt. Ike Botker played. There's a lot of question marks on this offensive line who, for the most part, minus Kansas City, was good in pass protection this year, but really lousy in run blocking. So how you figure out that balance is going to be a tough call. And then I didn't even talk about tight ends, which is another key point for me of Brandon Bean's presser is he called the position very up and down. That's bullshit. And he said it was very inconsistent. In fact, he said Dawson Knox was inconsistent. And in the end, he said that the Bills flat out felt that opposing defenses were never concerned about the threat of the Buffalo Bills tight ends. I think that's 100% right. So for all the guys like, who are they going to bring back or who are they going to cut? I think if there's one position, maybe not just on the offense, but on this football team where they're going to bring somebody in from the outside who might cost some money via free agency, like decent money, not bargain basement money. I think this is the position. There's two or three guys at free agency that I really like a lot. This has been a shitty position for the Bills habitually for years. Dawson Knox is another player who makes some good plays. He improved in the second half, but still don't trust him. And and Brandon Bean said it. He's not a threat. The position's not a threat. They need to upgrade this position in the offseason, and I think for sure they're going to do that. Two things. I think for – we'll get to the tight end in a second. I think all of their unrestricted free agents, aside from McKenzie – are going to be gone. I think Feliciano is going to be gone. I think Williams is going to be gone. I think Milano is going to be gone. 
I think wow. they're all. Go- I think they're all going to be gone. I think they're going to out. I think they're all going to get paid. To be honest with you, I think Daryl Williams had a very good season. Offensive tackles tend to get a lot in the open market. I just feel he's going to get something. And Milano, I think he's going to get paid, and they're going to leave. I think McKenzie's the one guy that I could see them resigning because he's he's kind of he's cheap. He'll and be he's cheap. good. He'll be He'll cheap. Be and cheap. good. Um, your point with Dawson Knox and. Yeah, the, look, I've been I've been yelling about the tight end position since I was five. I think at this point, it is just I want what the Chiefs have. Basically, I, I mean, whatever you could get. I mean, Kelsey, I know he doesn't grow on trees, but like what we saw on, on uh, against the Chiefs was we saw them take away the outside, and you saw that they took away the deep the deep pass. They double digs. None of their wide receivers could do shit. And you know who who had a, a quote unquote decent game it was Dawson Knox because he was constantly open it feel, felt like but he kept he would catch one pass for like five yards and die basically so yes I definitely think that would be a great a great thing for them to to put their resources in trade for someone the guy from the Eagles who had like 100 catches last year or not last year two years ago was on the block I forgot Zach his name. Ertz. Zach, Zach Ertz. Ertz thank, thank you so Ertz is on might be on the block I wouldn't mind them taking a run at him and maybe maybe they could get him off their books and, and doing something with that I would like them to get a guy to go up the middle and when you're doubling digs you need someone especially if they're going to take away the outside you need someone over the middle and I think they need a tight end there so if um I, I, the one thing I, I'll say with Brandon Bean, he said they were up and down. I mean, come on, give me a break. They were down for most of the year. They've they they didn't do much. You know, they were good. They were okay in that like two, you know goal line stance when you needed you needed like a one yard touchdown. I mean, come on. Like the highlights of this year was Aaron Croft falling on himself against the Jets when he had a he had a touchdown. He fell, and then like Lee Smith, you know, he's not he's rumbling like a snowman down the freaking field. But yeah, I would definitely put that in there as something that. You know, if I'm if I'm team mega offense, which I am, again, mega offense, yes, give me a tight end. Give me I don't I, know where you get it, free agency, top of the draft. They they need an upgrade there. I think that this is going to be their number one offseason priority because I think they saw firsthand several times this year, not just Travis Kelsey. I mean, Gasecki from Miami dominated them. Uh, Hunter Henry from the Chargers had a big game against them. Noah Fant from Denver had a big game against him. Uh, Darren Feller from or Waller from the Raiders had a big game. The Colts have like 10,000 tight ends. They all had success against them in the playoffs. So they saw the effectiveness of a, of a tight end. And I think it helps Josh Allen. So I, I honestly, look, I just talked about Singletary and I, I do think they're going to replace him, but that could just come via draft. This is a position where I think they're going to go spend some money and get an established tight end. I really do. Jonah Smith from Tennessee's one, a Hunter Henry. I just mentioned him for the Chargers. Uh, Gerald Everett, he's another guy from the Rams. One of those three guys, give me any of those three. They are miles better the guy, than Dawson Knox. The guy from Green Bay, I had him on fantasy, <laughs> fantasy football. He actually wasn't that, he's a free agent. He wasn't that bad this year. So Yeah, yeah. there's a but lot of guys out there. They got to do better. Yeah, I'll say this too. Like, if you look at the Panthers blueprint, which I feel like the Bills have kind of followed through, with what with what McBean had there, they always had a pretty legit tight end in Greg Olson. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is the time they address that because they had they can look at that blueprint and go, hey, we really need that guy here. But I'm I'm for that. Hey, Brian Dable is a used to be a tight end coach 
So he has to like tight ends. You know what I mean? And I think he would probably want someone better than Dawson Knox, you know, back there. But yeah, I hope, I hope they do that. I think it would be great. We need a tight end, man. It's, it's been a long time. Well, I still got a, again, a, a Gabe Davis and John Brown point to tie into that, which I want to get to in a minute, but two defensive things that I found noteworthy when it comes to Matt Milano, we hit on him for a minute briefly. Um, Brandon Bean believes, and he said this in the presser that he's improved greatly since he was drafted in 2017 and that he would love to bring him back. Uh, that said, Brandon Bean did say that he believes Milano has earned the right to hit free agency and understands that, you know, the team's going to have a lot of challenges and with the salary cap and, and trying to resign him. Basically, he's going to get a lot of money. Um, so, and, and by the way, Brandon Bean also did say, and I found this pretty telling. I mean, we know this, but for your GM to say this, I found this pretty telling is he said he wants to see him play a full season without getting hurt. I think that's relevant for Brandon Bean to say that. Um, I agree with you that Brandon or that Matt Milano is going to get paid. I do think there's teams out there because look, when this guy's healthy, there's something we can't deny this dude. The Bills defense is significantly better with Matt Milano. Then when he's not out there, he's a key player, but I think the injury thing is fair. He missed, uh, he only started five games this year. He didn't play a lot. A lot of times he was like a third down guy late in the season because he was still getting healthy. Uh, he missed the game last year. He missed three the year before that. So I, I get what Brandon Bean's saying and I agree. It's a tough decision because he is a top tier linebacker when he's healthy, but is he going to give you 16 games? And you know, he's going to get, you're not going to franchise him because that's 15 million if you were to franchise him. I, there's no way the Bills are going to do that this year. So you think he's gone. I think it's a little more 50 50. It's like, I, I how, think he's gone. how bad do you, They would have re signed him last year at the, going into the season. They made I, him, I think they made a mistake not re signing him last year. That's where I, the Trent Murphy, not cutting Trent Murphy and freeing up that money to get Milano done. I think this is where they're going to pay the Piper for that. I yeah. do. I mean, it's, I, I, I want him back. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I keep, I keep harping back to like, do you really want to start paying a lot of defensive players money? They have so much money invested on the defensive line. But that's uh, a big the, hole though, isn't it, Joe? No, because, because I don't, I don't think they were as good with him in the lineup because they were playing shittier teams. I just don't, yeah. I don't, dude. sorry, dude, look, let's go to the Colts game, the Colts game. They gave up 460 yards in offense to a guy who just retired. Okay, so I I don't think of it as like this big like he is he does he make the defense better? Yes, but how, by how much? I don't think it's by that much to be honest with you. I just don't like this defense, man. I don't like it as a whole. I think when they had their their better, you know, the first part of the season we were complaining about it you know, a lot, and then they got better. I think they got better because they started playing lesser teams. They were playing like, you know, Cam Newton or, you know, Locke or Nick Mullins or whatever the hell, like the San Fran guy was, or Tua. Like, once you start, they started going from those elite offenses, those quarterbacks at the start of the season, it got, it, 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 they got better. And I think I that, agree with it, you about the defense. I don't, I don't disagree with you about the defense, Joe, but here's the thing. This is where we disagree. I don't think that's Milano's fault. I think that's the fault of the defensive line. So if I have one problem and which kind of leads into the last thing is uh, the defensive line here. I don't, what I'm not sure. He said um, specifically that the defensive line was light because star Latutale opted out and they did not expect that. So they didn't really have time to prepare for that. 
And he also cited the fact that not having a preseason hurt because they had three new guys to get into place. The defensive line, for the most part, was an entirely new defensive line. He's right. But regardless, I think the defensive line was maybe, in my opinion anyway, and maybe most people won't agree with this, but to me, the defensive line was the biggest disappointment on this football team this season. Outside of Jerry Hughes, who I thought played well again, um, Addison had some sacks, but he didn't do a lot. Vernon Butler was non-existent most of the year. I expected a lot more from Quentin Jefferson, and I didn't get it. And Ed Oliver, I mean, dude, I mean, this guy, uh, this is why I get in at what you like to say, these film nerds. I, I have an issue with them too when it comes to this because God forbid to these, to these film nerds, you diss Ed Oliver at all. And, uh, you know, I'm not asking Ed Oliver to be the next Aaron Donald right now, but, you know, you're a top 10 pick. I don't think it's unreasonable to say, I want more than three sacks and one forced fumble this year. Um, and then, you know, Bean talks about Ed Oliver playing well and drawing double teams, and so does all these critics, you know, all 22 guys that I like, like guys like Eric and Joe and Aaron, all these people. Well, you know what? Aaron Donald gets double teamed. DeForest Buckner gets double teamed. Chris Jones, who you talked about, just absolutely destroyed John Feliciano last week. Those guys get double too. They make plays. Ed Oliver ain't making enough plays. I expect more out of him. But he's not the, the biggest problem. The biggest problem, like I said, the three guys that the Bills sign, and this is why I want to get your opinion on something. Bills fans ain't going to like hearing this, but I almost feel like this defense would have been better had they spent in quote-unquote overpaid Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips because I didn't see shit from Vernon Butler or Quentin Jefferson this year. And again, I know the film people are going to say, tell me I'm stupid. Then I guess I'm stupid because the You're defensive line stupid. sucks. It's, it's just, it, they were, look... The defense was better last year. Now, I will say that the defense, like the line, did play against worse quarterbacks last year. What about Starlo too late, too? Do you, do you believe, Brandon oh, Bean, that no. his absence hurt them a lot? No. And I'm going to tell you why. Star's game is supposed to be, hey, I'm the fat guy. Everyone else around me is supposed to make plays, especially in the running game. I didn't see that last year. The teams rushed all over the bills. The bills have been pretty bad against the run. I would say for like the last three years, at least like when teams are committed to rushing the football against them, they can get burned. I remember the Eagles game last year where star played in that game and they gave up 200 yards to the Eagles rushing. And that's the Eagles. They're not known for their rushing attack, to be honest with you. So, and then star played in that game. So I don't know if I buy that a lot. I mean, maybe a little bit like, okay, yeah, a little bit of effect, but I don't think you're plugging him in and all of a sudden they're stopping the run. And I think this goes back to what I've been saying for months. Now the league is just treading away. It's just trending away from defense, man. You know, Ed Oliver may not be, maybe should be better, but I think in the grand scheme of things, he he's at a very, he's at a disadvantage because just offense is it just, it, it's an offensive league now. Like you can't, you the rules are more in favor for the offenses. You can't really hit the quarterback as much as you used to. You know, wide receivers are <clears throat> more wide open than ever. The numbers are just going up and up and up. It's like the stock market, man. It just keeps going up. Hence, why I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, you could improve the defensive line. That would be great. Yeah, you could sign we sign Matt Milano. But in the long term goal, what's it going to do for you? Is it going to win you a game? Is it going to is it going to beat Kansas City? I don't think so. Because those offenses are just so much better than your great defenses. The, the, the Steelers had the number one defense in the league this year. I think Miami was number two. Where What happened to them? 
No, no playoffs for one team, and a, and they got and the other team got crushed by Cleveland in the playoffs. So it's just I, I, that's why I keep going back to when it comes to figuring out defenses and like who you're going to pay and who you're not going to pay and like getting better. I just think they're becoming obsolete in a way. And I'm like, you know, sorry for the defense wins championships, people, but it's just not that way. And, you know, in terms of Butler, Addison, and Jefferson, when you put the money together versus Shaq and, and Phillips, it's it's kind of the same. And, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, those guys were better last year than they were this year. And I didn't follow the – you know, I didn't, I didn't watch film on the Cardinals or Dolphins, but the Dolphins did have a better – defense this year and maybe Shaq was a big part of that I don't, I don't know but nah, nah, I, nah, nah. I, I, I'm just not I'm just not I am not into spending money on, on defensive anymore I just not I think it's a waste I think it's, it's a, a waste. You, you make a very fair point and I mean it's a good point that your stance is and I get it you want to spend more resources whether it's draft capital whether it's salary cap money you want to spend more of it on offense and defense and that's a very reasonable, fair point to make. And, and you you pointed out perfectly reasons why. But here's the deal with the Bills defense. All right. So it is what it is. And this is their personnel. Last year, not last year. So two years ago in 2018, and, and, and they weren't good as a whole, but the defense ranked second in yards, 18 in points. Last year in 2019, they were third in yards, second best in points. This year, middle of the pack, they were 16th in points. And 14th in yards. Again, middle of the pack. Now, the secondary doesn't need to be discussed. It's pretty much was the same both years. You want to throw Josh Norman in there a little bit. That's fine, right? But now you got linebackers. Both who were hurt at certain points. And you got it. But they're the same linebackers the last two years. But the defensive line was just, again, completely changed. You lost Shaq. You lost Jordan Phillips. Starlo totally opted out. Um, and, and the other side. You added Jefferson, you added Butler, you added Addison, you added a rookie, A.J. Vanessa. I thought the defensive line was considerably worse this year than it was last year. And I hate when people say, because Jordan Phillips had nine and a half sacks, but he didn't, you know, that was deceiving. He didn't play well. He got lucky. Well, you know what? I would have liked to seen the Bills defensive line get lucky a little bit against the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes barely got sniffed. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. I agree with what you're saying about the offense. And it, again, I actually, as I sit here and think on it. I like that point. It's very fair. Let's spend our big money on the offense, but the defense needed to play better. And I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm just, uh, it's not popular. People don't like to hear it, but Brandon Bean for all of his hits, and he's got a lot more hits than misses. I feel like 2020 free agency with the decision on how they were going to revamp the defensive line. Frankly, I think it backfired. That's what it's, that's what it comes down to for me. And I don't know how much star little had to do with it, but the three guys they brought in, two of the three, I was not very impressed with whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I think you make valid points. I think my whole stance on what why we should go offense is that they have invested high draft picks on that front seven. They've invested money, free agents, Trent Murphy, Star, everyone, Addison, Butler, Jefferson. They have invested money into that front seven, and it's gotten them mediocre results. And well, was, they got to the championship, but that wasn't because of, well, they did play good against, though. yeah. And well, Baltimore it was, but not Indy, not Indy, and obviously I, certainly not Kansas City. I think Baltimore was more about the wind, to be honest with you, but whatever, I digress. Uh, I, I just think it's it hasn't done wonders. It's not worth that. It's not worth putting more draft capital into it. Now, that's what I, w- that's what I would do. I would go 
team offense. What I think they're going to do, I think they're going to really invest in the defensive line. They just love defense. I, I feel like they kind of are going to keep trying. Well, to then that, that means they're going to be making a lot of changes then, right? Because, I mean, they got big money invested in this line already. Well, not only that, but they're older. Like that defensive line outside of Ed Oliver and, uh, you know, Espinenza is uh, it's pretty it's pretty old. Right. I mean, yeah. Jerry Hughes is older. Addison's older. Star is older. I, I think they kind of maybe want to get a little, little younger there. So I, I it, could, wouldn't, it wouldn't I shock me if that they, that's what they do in the draft. But we uh, talked about we talked about potential cuts. You taught you brought up John Brown, which for the record, I agree with. I think that they could cut both Addison or or maybe not Addison Butler for sure. I think Butler is 100% going to get cut. He's not worth, they could save almost 7 million by cutting him. They have to do that. Either Jefferson or Addison or one of those two guys, I think of, uh, we'll I think they're going to we'll be see, gone. We'll see Pat. Think about this. And uh, since Bean has been the GM, how many free, how many guys who they have signed Brandy Bean pen the paper? Have they cut? Like, they never cut Trent Murphy when we all said, why the hell aren't you cutting Trent Murphy? They cut Zay Jones, but Zay Jones wasn't Brandon Bean's pick. There's been guys that they, they I, I wonder, like, you know, they they may want to hold on to these guys. You know, they may just go to them re- restructuring, but they haven't cut that. I'm curious to see what they do because they haven't really cut anyone of the guys they've signed. We know they, they've jettisoned the people who they don't like, you know. Who they right. Inherited. Well, if, they, if they're not, not going to cut the guys they signed and they're not going to be, then they're, if they don't cut the defensive lineman that they signed this past offseason, they're saying that we're going to roll with the same defensive line because I, obviously Ed Oliver and obviously Epinosa are going to be back. I'd be stunned if Jerry Hughes is not back. He's the best defensive yeah, lineman still back. on this football team. But after that, I mean, again, if you want to keep Addison, Butler, and Jefferson, that, then you're not going to have the spots to go out and make changes. So if they don't cut them, they're going to be running it back. Uh, last thing that Brandon Bean talked about, I just want to hit on this briefly, was the rookies. And, uh, you know, he just talked about them as a class. Not really much to say about A.J. Vanessa, second-round pick. Uh, didn't play that much. Came in a little lighter than he wanted. And he flashed a little bit. But, again, they went with veteran guys ahead of him. Zach Moss, I think, showed some promise. And then uh, Gabe Davis and Tyler, ba- Tyler Bass, or Bass, I'm sorry. I thought they were very good this year. And to your point that you said earlier, I don't agree with you here. I do think they're going to cut John Brown. I don't think they're going to go out and sign anyone of significance to replace him in free agency. I do think they like Gabe Davis enough to promote him to that second outside guy with Cole Beasley in the slot. And the reason why I say that, and it works for me with the cap room, is I think they're going to take that money that they saved by Brown and go get a real goddamn tight end. You know what I'm saying? Like I like Gabe Davis enough that I'd rather have Gabe Davis in a really good tight end than say sure. John Brown or or John Brown salary level and have another Tyler Croft type tight end. I want a difference making tight end. And to me, with the cap situation, the best way to do that is to plug a young guy like Gabe Davis, who did play well, by the way, when healthy. Um, I think he could take Brown's spot. And I don't know, maybe they draft another guy or they get a low key guy to be that fourth receiver. Isaiah McKenzie has a role in this team. I do think he'll be back. I agree with you. But spend that money on a tight end. I, I agree with you on that. If they get rid of Brown and they and they add something to that, whether it's a high-priced tight end or another version of John Brown, we'll say, yes, I'm fine with that. I am not fine, though, with cutting John Brown and you leave the skill guys the exact same way. That I'm not down with. 
I, I don't no. agree with that. I mean, and maybe I'm like, look, I, I, maybe I'm having nightmares back to when they got when they got rid of Peerless Price, and it was like, oh, Josh Reed's going to pick up the slack, and he's he's going to be the number two wide receiver, and it was a disaster, you know. So maybe I'm like, you know, I don't know, like in terms of that a little bit, but yeah, if they if they get rid of him and put it, the money into a tight end or another skilled guy, sure, I, I would totally be be game for that. Well, uh, my big my big off season take, Joe, is that. As low as I am on Devin Singletary, I'm equally as high on that for Gabriel Davis. I really like this kid a lot. I think he's going to be, I don't want to say a special player, but I think he's going to be a very good productive player for the Bills, which again, when you got Diggs, you got Beasley, you got Josh Allen and you get a good tight end. That's all you, that's all you need from him. Yeah. And one thing I want to kind of shoehorn in, like, I mean, I know we're like, where Bill's Twitter talks about the draft already, and I'm not a draft expert. I'll, I'll say that. But historically speaking, whatever the Bills do in the draft, I wonder how much you want to consider, you know, having an impact player right away. Because we talk about this window, and this window could be, like, wide open. It could shrink. It could be, you know, when they start paying guys, like they could pay Diggs again, like I, like I told you in the early part of the podcast, or they could go to Josh Allen. You know, what guys are going to be an impact next year? And because there's that debate, like defensive line, like I think we could say like defensive line is a need, like, hey, good to get to that. Or you talk about skill guys, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. I think those offensive rookies that are wide receivers, running backs, tight ends make a bigger impact year one than a defensive lineman would. And I wonder how much that's an effect when it comes to that, because you could just look at the Bills roster, man. And how many of those guys, like Gabriel Davis, rookie rookie wide receiver in the fourth round, makes an impact? How was Ed Oliver's rookie year? Didn't really do no, much. A- A.J. Epinosa, he didn't really do much this year at all. Defensive lineman. You go to Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes, first year, second year in Indianapolis, didn't do dick. Marcel Darius, I know I'm going all over the place, but I'm like Marcel Darius, his first couple of years as a, a Bills player, he was kind of there, and then all of a sudden he like blew up and got really well until he like got ate himself out of the league or whatever you hopefully want to call that's, it. Hopefully that's Ed Oliver minus, minus eating yeah, himself obviously, out of the but league. Like my, my point is, I, I always tend to believe that those higher picks or, you know, on the defensive line, you aren't as big of an impact as those rookie, like the wide receivers, the tight ends, because as, I agree. I, as I've been saying, it's an offensive league. It's easier to play offense than it is to play defense. Yeah. I agree. And it, it, generally speaking with rookies, uh, the physicality of being in the trenches takes you longer to, uh, to adjust that, you know, one real quick thing here. I originally forgot, but I, I at least want to hit on this. He mentioned Matt Barkley and Matt Barkley's wife is like very important to like the culture of the team. She does a lot of stuff with the team and that stuff does matter, man. But anyway, the team loves Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley loves the bills. Do you think that they bring him back for another year and maybe give Jake Fromm another year to see what they got with him developmental wise? Or do you think that this team should at least look into upgrading that QB too? Because my one problem, and thank God it never came to fruition with this team is all season long. I kept saying we are a Josh Allen knee injury and we got some scares away from the bills going from being Super Bowl contender to maybe a team that wins six, seven games. Like there's good, there's going to be quarterbacks with that carousel, which we talked about at the top. I'm not talking about the big names that are going to get traded or signed with teams. I'm talking about a better backup, like a more proven backup. Maybe a Mitch Trubinsky if he gets cut from Chicago. A guy like along those lines. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you in for a upgrade at QB2? 
Or do you think that chemistry that Matt Barkley, which is important, has with Josh Allen and, and the football team, you think that's relevant enough or important enough that you want to see Matt Barkley come back here? I cannot give a shit about the chemistry shit. I, I don't care. I'm no offense. I knew you were going to say that. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I mean, God bless Matt Barkley's wife for like being cool with all the other freaking, you know, players' wives or whatever. Whatever. Like, give me a break. Is he a QB two in your book? Is no. he good enough to win? Then I, you I, want to upgrade. I, yeah, I mean, but I don't really care because it's like the backup quarterback, and to me, a majority of backup quarterbacks are terrible. Now, you you make a good point. Like Mitch Trubisky is a better player than Matt Barkley. And yeah, they could maybe go after him, but I don't think Mitch is going to cost. It's going to. He's probably going to cost a little bit more than you're willing to spend. But I've always, I've always had this, this, this premonition of you know backups suck. They just in general backup quarterbacks aren't very good. And you know there may be, and I think this year there's going to be so many openings for quarterbacks that it might be a tougher market to get like a legit like oh hey I feel good if if Josh goes down for them to get this guy. You know, I don't, I don't know if Mitch Trubisky, maybe maybe some team. I mean, look, teams are weird. I mean, Mike Glennon got a 10-year contract, I think, twice to play for the Jags, and he played for the, or, you know, for the Bears to be their starter, and that guy sucked. You know, so I, I, I don't, you know, maybe Mitch Trubisky ends up being that guy in a way. But I, I, it's not, I don't care. Like, if they want to resign him to, to bring him back, I mean, he played pretty well against Miami. I'll give him credit for that. Like, he, he kind of. I went from fuck him. I don't like he, they should probably definitely upgrade to, eh, you know, maybe they can keep him. But um, again, I always have this premonition of backup quarterbacks usually are terrible. I do not care about uh, the team bonding with the backups. I just don't care. That's stupid to me, you know, but hey, if they if they want to, you know, I, yeah, I, I think, hey, if you want to if you want to go back with him, fine, because if if Josh Allen goes down. There's not many backup quarterbacks who I can sit there and go, oh, hey, this guy is going to be good for them. Yeah, you know, to win a couple of I can of think games. of one. Who? I can think of one. Who? Fitzmagic. Let's bring that dude back. Let's bring Ryan Fitzpatrick back. I don't think. Here's, here's I why don't I don't think, want to, though. Every time that dude goes to a team, the starter gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. I don't I don't think Fitz wants to go somewhere to just sit there. I think Fitz wants a, uh, he Fitz wants that, that same situation with Miami where he goes yeah, there. Yeah, but it's not going to happen young, now. And there's a young guy behind him to to play in. Like I don't too think many too many young quarterbacks in his league already and too many good ones coming into the league. I think his days is going into camp at least as the starter, they're done. Um, yeah, cuz you got I, I, I say it jokingly, but I wasn't really being that funny. Right? Fitzpatrick to the Bills. Keep your eyes open for that. Maybe even Tyrod Taylor, too. He's another one. He's not going to be starting no more. It depends how much they're asking for, Pat. If it's if they're asking for Jameis Winston, what he got, he was like a million and a half, right? I think he he was dirt cheap for the Saints. Like, yeah, yeah, that that, that was an anomaly, though. Yeah, like that I could do. But if you got to pay, if you got to pay Fitz like five, four or five million dollars to sit the bench and be a backup, no, like I, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that but well uh, put it this way i would pay a couple million more to have fitzpatrick as my backup than matt barkley because i feel well, like you know, if you they, surround they, if you surround fitz with enough talent he could still win you games and i don't think fitz matt barkley should, could do here's that. what fitz should do fitz should just pull a kyle orton and just not play and wait till a quarterback goes down and then he waves his hand and goes hey remember me and then he could get a lot of money out of that, like Kyle Orton did when, like you know, they kind of panicked a little bit about EJ Manuel and they signed him before the season started to like eight million dollar deal. You know what I yeah. mean? So I, that's what I would do if I was like Fitz. I would just chill out and be like, okay, let me let me see if one of the quarterbacks goes down, and then you wave your hand, and they'll have to pay you an arm and a leg. 
because they'll be desperate. But that's that's yeah. how I do it. Um, yeah. Real quick before we get out of here, too. Uh, actually, this isn't a question, but something worth pointing out because I'm very surprised. So the Bills go 13 and three. They should have went 14 and two. Were not for a hail mary. They make it all the way to the AFC Championship game. Nobody, as of now at least, on the coaching staff or the front office ended up getting poached. I thought for sure Brian Dable was going to San Diego, or I'm sorry, L.A. for the Chargers. Never happened. Leslie Frazier was a, a finalist for Houston, did not get the job. Um, even in the front office, uh, Joe Cheyenne, went, uh, Carolina and Atlanta interviewed, but he didn't get it. Um, their director of player personnel, Malik Boyd, who was a pretty hot commodity around the league. He interviewed with Houston, did not get that GM job. So as a, they could potentially lose Ken Dorsey, who's the quarterback coach. He might become a coordinator somewhere, but that's not a given. But regardless, my point is, I'm pleasantly surprised that nobody got poached from the staff because usually when a staff goes this far, you lose some guys. And again, Brian Dable was one of the big hot names, as was Eric Bieniemy. Neither of them are going to get a job uh, this year. But listen, before I let you go, this week, and this is not about the current bills, but this week, I think it was maybe Tuesday, was the 30th anniversary of the Bills' first Super Bowl in Tampa, uh, Super Bowl 25, and Whitney Houston singing the national anthem. I want to get your thoughts and your memories on that, if you can remember, and what you thought of that, because I'm thinking about it now, and I remember a handful of years ago, before I had this podcast, I had an interview with Daryl Talley, and I remember this vividly. I asked him, what was the best moment of your career? And I expected him to talk about some game, some comeback, some big play he made, a sack, an interception. And he told me the highlight of his career was being on the sidelines for that Super Bowl and seeing Whitney Houston sing the national anthem. The best moment of his entire career, which I found that pretty astounding. And and it was very dramatic. I mean, obviously it was going on during the Persian Gulf War. So a very patriotic time in our history. And it just, I don't know, it just brought back a lot of memories hearing about that this week and remembering. Uh, what do you remember about that? Uh, you know, the the anthem is is one of those things for when the is like bittersweet to me because I always just think about that it's Super Bowl 25. And then like three hours later, I was crying because Scott Norwood missed the field goal. Sure. So it's a, I don't exactly think of it too often. Like, oh my God, it's like, it was like this, it doesn't it doesn't do it for me and maybe it's because like they again they lost they lost the game i also saw one time on a espn had like a show i had a series once about like it was called like the five reasons you can't blame yeah i remember that yeah so they had one i remember about why you can't blame scott norwood for the field goal and weirdly enough in that thing they had whitney houston because whitney houston when she's saying the anthem she like projected her sound to the Giants bench because she was facing the Giants bench when she sang the anthem. I don't know if you know that, but she was looking at the Giants bench and she was like a Jersey girl. Like that's where she was from originally. So they talked about how like that pumped them up more because she's Jersey. And like, that's why she was looking at them, which was kind of odd, but it doesn't, it's a great rendition. Look, it's awesome. It's, but it's, it's bittersweet to me because it's like, shit, they, they, they ended up losing that game in one of the worst you know, the words defeats I can think of, of like, you know, uh, like we've talked about that before. So it doesn't really do much to me. I, I, I am shocked, though, how many people do talk about that, even from a Bills 
perspective. You know, if you thought if you saw the 30 for 30 for the forefathers of Buffalo, they dedicated like a good three, four minutes about that anthem and how the Bills players were all like, oh, my God, it was amazing. Like I was choked up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, yeah, I mean. I, I was more choked up at the end of the game than during the anthem, but okay, sure. So <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really do much for me. But uh, I, I don't it it because again, it's just bittersweet because it's like yeah, it was great, and then we lost the game three hours later. So fuck off. Yeah. I don't wanna, I don't want to be reminded about it. Hey, one thing I'm going to say real quick because you you went over the Bills losing the front office coaches not doing that. I I think it kind of proves a little bit that maybe Bills Twitter overrates everything they have. Because if you were following Bill's Twitter and all the pundits and all them, you would have thought, like, we were losing everyone. Like, all the GMs were – like, all the assistant GMs were gone. They were going this way or that way. And, like, I think sometimes we tend to be in our own little bubble a little bit with Bill's Twitter where we're not recognizing that, hey, there's this, there's these other things called teams that they all have, like, really good GMs or assistant GMs or coaches. And it is a, a who-you-know kind of league where, like, an owner knows this guy or, you know, has more faith in that guy because this guy will tell them hire that guy. So I just wanted to take a moment to like take a dump on Bill's Twitter just in regard to that. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you in terms of the front office, but in terms of the head coaching candidates, it was nationally reported. Like Adam Schefter said that uh, Ryan Dable was one of the favorites to get the job with uh, with the Chargers and ditto for Leslie Frazier in, in Houston. I Again, I'm... I'm more stunned that Dable didn't get the job, to be honest with you, than than anything. Because no, it I felt agree. Like, like, it, it, it felt is. like he was the perfect he was the perfect fit. With they had the great young quarterback, got a lot of skilled players. Uh, he had the the Tom Tedesco GM connection from St. Francis High School. Everything seemed in place. So I don't know. Maybe that tells you something. Maybe he didn't interview well. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm just I'm very surprised that he didn't get the Chargers job. It's odd to me, and I know this. I would love to have like talked for someone to ask. Dable at some point, the differences with interviewing on Zoom versus interviewing in person, you know, like, how does that work? Like, you know what I mean? Maybe there's a difference sometimes with these teams. They want to look at you face to face like you walk into the the, because, you know, they they usually when they interview someone, you'll you'll do a grand tour. Like, you know, you go you go to the stadium, you meet like people within the staff, you're going through the, the, the locker room and they're, you know, you're doing all this sort of stuff. You know, it's different. Whereas on these things you're doing zoom calls like it's like oh hey hi you're not looking at anything else and maybe maybe that's something like if you do a tour of when the coach comes to go and interview there or whatever like you fly out or whatever maybe like that that helps a coach interviewing because they can talk about things they're seeing like oh look at this locker room oh this that because you're seeing things that remind you of something you know what i mean i kind of wonder that a little bit if maybe certain people are aren't very good at Zoom interviews rather than in person interviews. So Could be. I mean, Could it's just be. it's just something that worth considering. I don't know. Maybe he like and also like does does he wear a suit in his interview for Zooms? He he probably has to right. Like even though he's not there, like and he has like no. Maybe he has like boxers on below. He's like fuck it. Like I'm, I'm just gonna interview. Like I got the shirt and tie on and I'm you know butt ass naked underneath or whatever. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> All right, let's leave that there. Follow Joe on Twitter. At Buffalo Wins, 50 podcasts with me in. Here's to a, here's to another 50, buddy, man. Be good. Take care. Wait a minute. Hold on there, buddy. You, do you, I ever have a podcast where you don't, when I'm trying to get out of here, do you ever say, oh, okay, you always add something. You are the king of the no, podcast no, no, no. add-on. 
You I'm are a, a podcast king add-on. I'm a producer at heart, and we teased in the beginning about me going off about Trump. And you said, save oh. it for the end of the podcast. So I don't want someone to be oh. listening who wants to hear this. It goes, oh, I can't wait for Joe to be to celebrate Trump leaving. And then they get to the end, and our, and our last moment is me talking about Zoom interviews. So All yeah. right, let me let me set this up. Here, as promised, because whether I wanted it to happen or not, it was going to come. Here it is a full month after, which again, I haven't talked to you in a month. And now there is a new president and Joe is very happy. I am sure. Give me your departing shot for Mr. Donald J. Trump. He is without a shadow of doubt, the biggest piece of shit in the history of mankind. I cannot understand how 70 million people voted for this buffoon. He definitely enabled a bunch of redneck hicks to come to the Capitol and take it down, basically. I am so happy that he's off Twitter. I don't want to hear about this damn, like, freaking freedom of speech and all that shit. Like, he was retweeting stupid shit that was lies, that was an endangerment to the country. I'm pretty sure the four founding fathers, or whoever the fuck the founding fathers are, when they decided to say freedom of speech, they didn't have Twitter in mind because in 1776, there wasn't a fuck and Twitter or anything like that. So I'm glad he's off Twitter. I'm glad as we record this, I have not heard about him in about a week. I haven't seen any news cycles. I don't know what the fuck he's doing in Florida. I am so happy that he is gone. And if you've noticed my feed for the last week, I haven't tweeted about politics because as I said before, I sometimes keep it to myself, but that guy, you just could not it was impossible to not look away and be like, what the fuck is going on with this country? So I'm glad he's gone. I'm not going to say it's a small step in the healing process. I still think there's going to be a bunch of other Trump wannabes who are going to come out and, and be just idiots and like yell about, I don't know what, what that idiot was saying about immigration and like white people getting canceled or whatever the fuck he said, but thank God he's gone. I don't. I hope he goes to jail. I hope he rots. Fuck Ivanka. Fuck Jared. Fuck Barron. Fuck Eric Trump. Fuck the other guy. Fuck. Fuck the best is yet to come. Broad. Fuck all of them. They're terrible human beings. And if you voted for him, I want you to block me on fucking Twitter. No, actually, at me first and go. Hey, I'm gonna block you because I voted for him, so I can block you first. Fuck Trump. God bless America. Go Bills. All right, good people, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very, very big thank you, Joe from New York City, at Buffalo Wins on Twitter, podcast appearance number 50 in the illustrious history of Talking Buffalo Podcast. Thank you very much, Joe. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead, do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It only takes a handful of seconds to do. And it really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. You can find us on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Check us out on YouTube as well, by the way. Talk of Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Got some highlight clips from current and past episodes. And pretty, pretty, pretty soon, I'm going to start having some original audio content and video content that you'll only find on that channel, won't hear it anywhere else, not even this podcast. Again, Talk of Buffalo podcast on YouTube. Then, of course, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly on Twitter 
tweeting out podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, polls, giveaways, sports talk, pop culture talk, all kinds of stuff, man. I live 24-7 on Twitter. At Pamarin tweets, thank you so much for listening. I end the podcast the same way every time because I mean it. You locked into this show when there's so many other great shows out there, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it may be. I don't take that lightly. I'm very grateful, very humbled, very appreciative of each and every single one of you. So thank you very, very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Please stay safe. And I will be back with a brand new show on Tuesday. 